Hey everybody, just want to give you a warning that there is a lot of audio issues, specifically on my end, so this episode is going to be a little wonky, sorry about that, thanks for your patience, and please give Steph some love because they've got something really cool. Alright, enjoy the episode. As tabletop gamers get older, some will eventually go on to have families of their own. When that happens, a number of those folks will look to introduce their kids to the wonderful world of role-playing games. That's the story of today's guest, Steph. Welcome to the wonderful world of TTRPG Kids, a resource for you to show your favorite hobby to your little ones. Join me, Zach Walsh, and Steph as they show us different games, tools, and reviews on this week's episode of Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I'm really excited to be coming into a more family-friendly episode with a wonderful person that I've been talking to quite a bit, especially with how difficult it's been for us to actually get this recording. Yeah, thanks Steph, for having thank me. you so Every much week. for joining me this week on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's been like two weeks. Yeah, I've just I, I lost my voice for an entire week together. at one point, and like, it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, <laughs> one thing after another. Yes, and... Yeah. <laughs> But here we are. We're finally doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. So, I'm uh, excited. I have some people coming over tomorrow to play tabletop RPGs for the weekend. And I've uh, been getting ready a little bit and excited for that. Excited to, to chat here. So, I'm in a pretty good spot right now. What are you hopping into then? Uh, I have a little bit of a homebrew system that I kind of mashed together uh, to make a rules light um, game for a few people who haven't tried tabletop RPGs before. Uh, ah. So, and there's like a alternate universe, like modern day magical kind of uh, world that they're going to be in. So this should be fun. That's super yeah. cool. That's awesome. I'm so excited to hear well, not more about that, but to hear more about you and <laughs> yeah, yeah. tabletop role-playing games. I'd love to talk to you about that yeah, at another yeah. time. <laughs> We're here to talk about something that's really cool. And like I said, folks, this is going to be a family-friendly episode, so no sailor's mouth from me tonight. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about TTRPG Kids, which is an organization, well, an organization, a website, I should say, yeah. blog, kind of resource. I absolutely adore it. I I do. It's so it's user friendly and you're doing something really cool here with it. So before we talk about TTRPG kids though, Steph, can you tell the audience a little about who you are and what you're doing in the space? Yeah. Uh, I'm Steph. Um, I am uh, an engineer by trade um, and currently a professor, an adjunct professor wow. um, for engineering. Um, and I am also running the TTRPG Kids blog, which is a resource for parents, teachers, caregivers, um, families, and creators to find out everything that they need about playing tabletop RPGs with kids or making them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's supposed to be kind of like a broad coverage of all yeah. of the all ages tabletop RPG topics. Um, 
So I've kind of like shifted a little bit from the really technical kind of stuff to a lot of the more <laughs> creative kind of um, storytelling aspects and uh, been having a lot of fun with it. So it's like the wildest resume. Can I just say yeah. like, I, I saw that on the TTRPG kids. It's like, hi, I'm Steph by day. I'm an engineer and university professor. And then anytime I'm not doing that, I'm raising a family and helping other people play games with their kids, which is so, so amazing, especially for all of us out there who I say us, like I have kids, uh, all, all those people out there who want to introduce their kids to this hobby at a younger age or mm-hmm. don't want to try and cram the math of Dungeons and Dragons down yeah. the throat of their three-year-old. Yes. And there's, there's like some like interesting nuances with it too that happen yeah. when you're uh, running games with kids versus adults because there's like social emotional aspects to it. There's like, like you said, the game mechanics, like parsing it down while still trying to get the feel. There's the type of adventures mm-hmm. you run, the topics that they're interested. It's all different. So kind of, there's a bit of a learning curve. So I'm hoping to like, ease <laughs> the learning curve a little bit. So it's it's a little more smoothed out instead of having all the ups and downs. So can you talk a little bit about that though? Like on that, that's super interesting to me, actually. Maybe this is the, the new psychology part yeah. that's coming to effect. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, so I think maybe the best way to explain it is with one of like the stories that I have about playing with my kid. So we've all, we all know what like murder hobos are in tabletop RPGs where like players will be like, oh, I'm going to go around and like, I, I can just do anything I want. There's no consequences because it's a game or, you know, kind of that attitude. Um, and mm-hmm. that's maybe like a little bit of a trope and something that people are like, oh, kids are going to do this and stuff. But like, I've kind of found, at least with my, my four-year-old, um, yeah. he will sometimes get in that kind of mode, but he's not doing it with the intent of malice. He's doing it from <laughs> a curiosity standpoint of like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, or he's doing it because he thinks something cool will happen. And so it's like a really good learning opportunity. But from a social emotional standpoint, like the kids may be coming at it from a different angle than yeah. like an adult party who's like, well, we're going to play bad characters. Maybe is coming at it with um, one example that I really like was when I set him up with a quest to go get this magic scroll uh, with an ice spell on it. So that way he could cast like this massive spell over top of a volcano and stop it from erupting and save like the island that they were on. Um, He goes through the quest, gets the scroll, gets up to the top of the volcano. And I'm like, okay, are you going to cast this spell? And he goes, no, I'm going to throw it into the volcano. And I'm like, okay, why? And he's like, well, because I want to see it explode. It'll be really cool. And I'm like, yeah, but what do you think's going to happen to the like village and the the island and your wizard? He's like, "But I want to see the volcano explode." And so we're trying <laughs> to walk through like what do you think the consequences are? And he was like really stuck on seeing the cool explosion. And I'm like, "Inhale, <laughs> like really deep." I'm like, "Okay, let's let's do this. We're going to see what happens." So, we have the volcano go and explode. Um and he is coming in here. 
as a little bit of a guest. Hi, buddy. We're doing, um, we are going to do the board game party tomorrow. Yes, we got board game stuff tomorrow. He's off. <laughs> I knew he was going to come in at some point. Um, he's just he's just happy to be here, I think. He's gone out. So, um, so uh, he... Um, he throws the scroll into the volcano and we're like, okay, the volcano rumbles and the ground shakes and then boom, we, ex- you know, describe the big explosion. I ask him what he thinks happens. And he's like describing lava going everywhere, rocks flying out and all the stuff from his science book. Um, and then he's like, okay, I want my wizard to go get on the boat. And I'm like, but the boat's gone and the wizard's gone too. Cause blew up in the volcano. And then. He goes, oh, can we go get lunch? And it was just like, it it totally didn't phase him. But then, like, the next game that we played, um, I intentionally, like, set up a little bit of a hook where there was a room full of fireworks. Oh, okay. What would happen. And instead of lighting the fireworks inside the room, like, he really wanted to do it. He kept going back there. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually stopped and he was like, huh maybe I should take these outside. And then like, actually he's like, cause my wizard could get hurt. And I'm like, okay, you got it. And so it was kind of like that, I think shows some of the social emotional growth that kids will get out of it. Like it's a good learning opportunity because now he's looking at things as this can be dangerous. I'm going to think about my options before just jumping in and doing something on impulse. Um, but then also, um, like it shows kind of how he's maybe approaching things. Like he's going to do the thing that sounds the coolest and is maybe, maybe doesn't process like what all the consequences could potentially be um, because it's just not where he's at right now. Yeah. So there's like, you know, some differences like that that can happen in games with kids. What, what he's doing kind of reminds me of when you have those new players who are finally discovering that they can do whatever they want, but that's like the default. Mm-hmm. Yes. And no matter how many times we play, like it's always kind of there in the background. Like we got to watch for it because <laughs> sometimes there'll be like a really interesting hook and you can see him kind of like shifting in a seat, like wiggling mm-hmm. back and forth. And like, I know he wants to do it and I have to like, let him make that choice. Um, yeah, yeah. so that way he can learn. And that's like, part of it is like that patience and giving him that autonomy. And that kind of takes practice sometimes from the parents part. Cause like, you know, you get nervous about like, oh, if he's going in and fighting everything all the time, is this like indicative of certain behaviors? Um, but it can actually be like a really good tool for kind of working out some of that frustration. And like part of the reason that I do the blog and write about all this is because it's what I've learned. And my hope is that I can give like other facilitators um, that kind of leg up to say like, okay, this is normal. And I don't need to be super concerned. And there are ways to handle this. Like, you don't have to totally ban, like, you know, you can't, you don't have to say, no, you have to, like, save the volcano, save the town, because that's the good thing to do. You can use it as a learning experience and kind of flip that around into something positive later. So. We've been kind of talking around it for the past, oh, 10 minutes or so. But what exactly is TTRPG Kids? Yeah. Uh, so TTRPG Kids is a website uh, where 
I, um, I couldn't find a good one-stop shop resource for finding uh, tabletop RPG information for my then two-and-a-half-year-old kid. So I was like, I, I feel like I want to start introducing it. And I'd seen, like, you know, social media posts about people talking about it and things like that. And I couldn't find all of that information in one spot. It was kind of spread out everywhere. So I really like organizing things. Um, I started organizing it for myself. And then somebody was like, this would be really good as a website. You can make a website. You know, this is like a thing you can do. And I was like, oh, I should post that. Um, So it kind of is all of my research, all of my experience is going into this blog so that way others can learn from it. Um, But then also I'm highlighting, um, you know, kid-friendly games that I find interesting or that we've played. Um, I'm doing reviews so people can find out about a game before they buy it. Um, And so they can learn about games that they haven't seen or heard of before, maybe. Uh, I do, um, like, interviews with people who are specifically in the, the field of tabletop RPGs for kids. So that way we can bring in, like, different experiences on the site. Because I don't know everything. So, uh, you know, it's kind of making sure that I'm getting those other voices there. And, uh, yeah. And I make some of my own games. Um, There's kind of a wide smattering of things on there. But um, it is organized (laughs) into kind of, like, here's reviews, here's tips and tricks, um, project features, and things like that. Um, Just so that way... Yeah, yeah. That one's nuts. There's like 250 games or more on there. Yeah. It's wild. Those uh, from my initial research. Um, and then I've just been adding to it. Uh, any games that I find that are tabletop RPGs that are made intentionally for kids, teens, or all ages, I've been putting on this list so people can search through it. And I am methodically going through and trying to review or you know get like an author feature on all of them so that way people can kind of like oh this one looks interesting you can sort it by age say i want a game for a five-year-old check the titles to see which ones are about you know princesses or dinosaurs or something and then go to a review about it to get information so it's kind of like a little info hub or web for more resources yeah that's actually kind of the basis for, I think, how we connected, like, over a year ago was Michael Lowe. Um, I know that I did something for Luck of Legends with his original release of, uh, oh my gosh, sorry, Michael, I know you're listening to this, Star, Star, Starfinder, Star, ah, oh, yes, that's it, uh, Starfinder is a much different game, oh my gosh. Star Sworn is the one that I'm thinking of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I found out about TTRPG Kids because he raved about it, how much he loved it. <laughs> There's a huge kid space, and like he was the first kids directed creator that I had had on the show. And that was awesome. It was totally different for me because I was so used to all these really heavy themes or things that I wouldn't bring to an elementary school is the best way to put it. And it just kind of opened my eyes to what's out there and how you can handle it. 
And then I found out about TPT RPG Kids and yourself and the insane amount of games that are actually curated for that entire subgenre. Like, mm-hmm. like all ages make sense to me. But when you just said, hey, kids, that never was a thing that crossed my mind. Yeah, and there's there's games out there for like two and up, three and up, five and up, and they work really well. And like some of them are like directed at like social emotional learning. There's one, um, Story Weaver, just came out with this one called yes. Little Gremlins. Yeah. And um, we did like some play testing and a review for it, and oh my gosh, it was so good for like, it's you put the kid in the position of taking care of this wild little gremlin who despite like anyone's efforts is going to cause mischief. And then your kid is journaling about it or, you know, answering prompts and things like that. And one of the things we rolled up was like a bad habit that my kid has (laughs) um, where he likes to like go on the chair and then tip back um, like really far. And we're like, ah, don't get hurt. Like we don't want him like, fall back and like hit his head or something so um he rolled up that his gremlin was on the chair like like playing on a rocking chair and i'm like well what's the gremlin doing he's like tipping back and forth and i'm like okay what do you think happens and he's like well the chair falls over the gremlin gets hurt i was like he said that not me (laughs) and so like we walk through like what we do and how we take care of the little gremlin and so it was like so good and it's geared at young kids um and, you know, you roll to see if the gremlin listens to the advice and what we do the next day and, like, how it feeds in. And if you get three, like, frustrating days in a row, um, well, gremlin causes extra, extra mischief and uh, it's a little, like, burst of magic and stuff like that. So, I don't know. It's really cool to see, like, some of the different mechanics that come up and different themes that come up with uh, games geared at, like, really young kids. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Your son was two, two and a half when you started doing this with him. So what was the steps? What was it like trying to, as a parent, get into that headspace? Because imagination is arguably one of the coolest things about being around kids. So that part, I I think most people will understand. But what's it like to approach a little kid with a game like this? Yeah. So what we started out with the first thing was what I like to call interactive story time. So normally, like, or like typically, you would sit down, you'd read a book to a kid, and you'd tell them all, the whole story and everything that happens in it. So I started making up stories and then asking him what happened next. Um, he was pretty young, but he was talking pretty well. So he was able to give short answers, um, even if it was sometimes just yes and no, like, do you think the dragon will go here or here, or um, let's pack the bag. Should we bring this tool or this tool? And it was kind of like making small decisions that would end up impacting the story. So that got him used to affecting the story. He started asking questions about it and getting more creative with some of his answers. And then we started introducing um, some dice mechanics. The first like official tabletop RPG that we played was this game called No Mice, No Meowsters. Um, I think I've seen that. Yeah, it's uh, the creator's named Trouser Mouse. <laughs> um, That's it. 
Yeah. That's why yeah. I know it. <laughs> and it's, um, you play as a cat who is trying to cause mischief for their owner. Like, that's their whole goal in the game. And so it's really rules light. It's very narrative focused. Um, there's some dice rolling, so we did get used to, like, a little bit of dice mechanics. Um, and that was a really good start for us because it kind of made that bridge into now it's a game on a piece of paper. And then from there, we just started, like, slowly getting into games that had slightly more complicated dice mechanics. Um, you know, maybe we'd start out with, like, D6 games, or there was one that was about flipping coins. Um okay. So there wasn't like a whole ton of math going on and we'd help with the counting and whatnot. And we slowly scaled it up to where now we're using bigger dice. We can add small modifiers. So he's practicing math and things like that. And like we made sure we went through a gradual process. So he's not getting overwhelmed. And that was, that was pretty much how we ended up doing it. So it started out with story time and then slowly started adding mechanics in. And then TTRPG's kids kind of came from that, and probably COVID was a bit of a an impact on that too, wasn't it? Because that was all around the same time. Yes. So um, shortly after we started doing that is when I started doing TTRPG kids and like writing about some of our experiences with it. Um, we try out a lot of systems with him uh, because <laughs> of like reviewing for the blog and whatnot. Um, but I do make sure to scale it as he's growing. So I'm not pulling in Dungeons and Dragons quite yet. Um, like we're doing like, you know, there's D and D hacks that are made specifically for young kids and like slowly kind of building that up. So the games that we're reviewing and talking about on the blog in a lot of ways is growing with him. So you're over time, it's going to be this progression of, games for really young kids and then we're going to move into like we're getting into the five plus range is the target now and then it's going to be you know a few years eight plus we're going to get into games for tweens and so like it should be the kind of this chronicle of like that progression in games and the style of adventures that he's interested in that's so cool like how cool for him is that too like yeah. He'll be able to reflect on that someday. He he won't even realize until he's grown. Like, oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we're gonna get into something a lot earlier for current listeners, but your crowdfunding for TTRPG Kids, and I think this is super important that we touch on this because there's a lot of reasons to crowdfund this. So can you talk about what you're doing with crowdfunder? Baker's Charge is one of the things that I'd like to hear a little bit about. And then we can get in kind of into it and just explore that area. Yeah. So Crowdfunder has a kids and young adult um, creator event coming up in July. So I am participating in that. I'm kicking off a little early um, for a couple of reasons, but like uh, I'm going to be running through July as part of that event to help fund TTRPG kids, because I do run it as a free resource, but there's site costs. Um, like, it, it, you know, stuff costs money. I got to pay for, like, the email and storage oh, and, gosh, yeah. Storage. Yep. So uh, it's to help cover, like, site fees and things like that, domain name. Um, and then 
It'll also help to cover convention travel. Um, I'm giving talks at a whole bunch of conventions, and I, I'm not, like, getting paid for those. It's, like, for help. It's, like, free <laughs> talks, so that way I can answer questions for people that I normally maybe won't be able to reach through social media. Um, but it does cost money to travel there. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. And then it's also to fund the first print of my, of our, um, how would I put it? Uh, the first physical print of one of my games, um, which is Baker's Charge. So it's uh, kind of, I haven't run a crowdfunding campaign before. I kind of smushed everything that I've been meaning to crowdfund <laughs> for the past two years into this one like starter one so we'll see how it goes but i would I'd help that's to help support ttrpg kids and make it more sustainable yeah so we're talking about conventions there and i'm super interested in that because a being a presenter it's it's kind of like the next step to what we're doing like you're talking to those creators like that and you know, i'm talking to creators like you and it's just kind of like the next kind of progression when you look at speaking about these kind of topics. So are, how did you get in contact with these conventions and are there any that you're allowed to talk about right now, or is that kind of still a little bit in the works? Yeah, I could talk about them. So um, at least I think most of them, there might be one for later <laughs> in the year. I can't say anything yet, but um, the first one that I went to was last year at uh, was Dallas Fan Expo. And I was contacted by a podcast group called D20 Tales. And I'm familiar they, with that. Yeah, so they um, had approached me and said, you know, we're going to this uh, convention. We were recommended to contact you because um, we wanted to offer something that was like kind of a kid-friendly, um, like, addition to, like, our proposal. And so I was yeah. like, sure, we'll try it. So flew down from Michigan to Texas <laughs> and kind of hung out with this group at the convention for the weekend and it was a great experience and I didn't have like a ton of people come to the talk but there were a few people and I was able to answer their questions and it was a really good feeling um so that kind of got me hooked and then I got invited to be in a group um it was we mentioned Michael before so Michael's in the group Marianne Cullinan and then Chris Hopper and um we went to South by Southwest EDU and yes, did Michael. a panel. Yeah, we did a panel and a workshop there. Oh, that was amazing. So I definitely got hooked on the whole, like, going to conventions experience and started um, just reaching out and submitting proposals. I've, through, like, TTRPG Kids, I have um, a pretty big network of people I have featured on the site or interviewed. Uh, so I reached out to a few people and was like, hey, do you want to do a panel on topic X? Do you want to do a panel on topic Y? And we got into um, virtual GaryCon. Um, I just did a talk at Motor City Comic Con, so it's my hometown convention. Um, going to Origins Game Fair towards the end of June. Uh, there's one we... So I've submitted one for Gen Con online. Uh we're waiting to see on approval, so I don't want to like say what that one is yet, but that, that one's still under review. And then there's a couple for later in the year that I'm trying to get in on as well. So um, 
I don't know. It's it's just a fun experience to be able to get up there and answer questions and like, uh, you know, the Motor City Comic Con that we just went to, we had so many questions the whole time. Like people were asking through the whole hour, um, which was great. Like <laughs> they were interested. We were able to answer it. It was it's such a good feeling. So, yeah. If you just uh, send in your proposal or call someone up or email them, be like, hey, I'm interested in it. Um, they've been really supportive of it. And if you've got like a, a proposal of, you know, we're bringing this person in, uh, we're going to do a panel and talk. Uh, here's our topics, you know, give it a shot if anyone's interested. So I got invited to talk at a con and I unfortunately couldn't go because I had other things scheduled, but it was to talk about quick starts and how important they are to reviewers and the such. And, Mm-hmm. that I was like, I wish I could have done it for that exact reason. I just like, I know I'd be immediately enthralled with it and want to do more. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it touches like this very cool place where you're getting to interact with the the fans or the listeners or the readers in a totally different way that we just don't typically see. And you can talk on this too, Steph, because I typically don't have any clue what most listeners hear or think. Aside from the odd one that reaches out and tells me I did something wrong or misinterpreted a rule or something like that. But <laughs> I get what you mean, because like, I'll uh, do the blog, and I know how many people are viewing the site, um, but then like maybe like one in a while will reach out and like uh i'll get kind of that feedback so i know that feeling of like you're like okay what does everybody really think or like is this you know where is it going and stuff generally like it's positive um when i've been at the conventions like you're there face to face with the person so you know like what kind of impact it's having whereas through the screen you don't see that and it's been positive at the conventions so i would say like Maybe for a confidence boost. <laughs> um, people might not be seeing it, uh, or, like, they might not be saying it, but, like, it is having an impact just based on, like, what I've seen there. So, um, like, the, that's what's kind of helped with the face-to-face, too, is, like, it, it's kind of energizing um, to kind of see the excitement that people get talking about the topic and things like that. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really all we can ask for at the end of the day as content reviewers and people who are making stuff so that people can put a lot more time into the thing that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. You have created a game that you were telling me about before. (laughs) I love this so much. Baker's Charge. Please tell me about Baker's Charge. and Yeah. What made you decide to pull the trigger on getting this game started? Yeah, so Baker's Charge um, came from two things. The first one was I joined the Charge Game Jam by uh, RP, and I hope I pronounced the last Deshai. Um, I think I'm pronouncing last name right, and if not, I'm really sorry. Um, I, so he ran the, the Charge um, game jam and I was like okay 
uh, I'm looking at the mechanics and I'm like, this kind of feels like in those competitions when somebody gets on a roll, like they do really good one week and then they like keep doing really good and doing really good. Like it builds up. I'm like, and we're sitting there and we're watching um, a baking competition show and I'm like, because we watch a lot of them in our house. <laughs> like, they're fun. And so I'm like, oh, this is the thing. And so it kind of, like, I took the charge jam and I took baking competition shows and kind of, like, smushed them together and made this game. And it was pretty well received. Um, I was excited about it. I was like, oh, this is, you know, going pretty well. Um, and so I, I was thinking about a game to print and wanted to do kind of like a a zine style game and this one was the perfect size and um it was one of my favorite ones that I've made uh like it just seemed to flow really well and I was like okay we're doing this one so Baker's Charge (laughs) is the first one um it's a uh you play as bakers in a competition there's three rounds um there's uh pastry cakes and bread and it's random if it's going to be sweet or savory so you could end up with a savory cake round um and there's challenges that you have to face like you might end up with high humidity one round and so like some of your um like the frosting melts on your cake or something like that uh the thermostat is broken um so you end up with Uh, like temperature differences and your bread doesn't rise, Uh, things like that can end up (laughs) happening. And there's some extra challenges, like maybe you have to feed 100 people with your bake. You know, classic things that will show up in a baking competition where they like throw a little curveball at it. Um, And it is set up to promote collaboration. So if you finish your, your round and you have extra time left over, you can actually help somebody else in order to get a bonus for yourself later. So it kind of taps into the the wholesome baking shows where we've seen where people are like kind of doing each other a solid and like, oh, you hold this while I'm piping on the last like 10 roses on the, the side of my cookies or something. So um, it kind of has like a little bit of that collaborative element to it as well. So that poor person who's trying to pearl a cake and they're just crying. The other person's like, give me the other bag. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like the one person who always like ends early, they're like, no, do this. I'll help you out. And so you can give a bonus roll to them and then you get like some credit for later to kind of bank up and maybe get a little bit more time uh, further on or re-roll something. So. Yeah. I'm not personally too familiar with the charge system. How, How does that work? Yeah, so in the charge system, you build up momentum. And so, uh, like, as you're going through and getting successes, you can earn momentum. And then as you get enough of that, it can give you um, extra dice to roll. So you kind of, you can get on a roll and have, uh, like, one success lead to the other. So um, if you've heard of, like, explosive... Uh, dice pool mechanics where that kind of like springs off of each other this is like that a little bit but like kind of explosive turns is the way that i kind of picture it so that makes a lot of sense yeah listeners may be familiar with rp to shy that 
the, the name he also uses is Renee Pierre, creator of, uh, I believe it's Fari RPGs, the, the app. Yep. Yeah. Super good. I loved every single game I played in that, by the way. It's also a very good time to play in there. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the the crowdfunder is super important to not only help keep you traveling, but to also get Baker's Charge in people's hands. When exactly is that going to be going live, though? The crowdfunder launches on June 15th. Um, so it's, I think, so it's coming up really soon. I think it'll be launched by the time it's June 15th. this goes. It'll be, it'll have been launched for five days. When this yes. <laughs> so um, June 15th is the date, and it'll be running through um, early August, like kind of the first week in August. Um, the reason that I am kicking off before the uh, young adult or the uh, kids and young adult event in July is because I am a uh, partner for the event. So I'm also um, working with, uh, there's maybe about a dozen other creators who I've been like, hey, you got a project coming up. Might want to consider getting in the event. So I've been trying to help them get in yep. there. They're all kicking off in July. So I'm trying to get mine um, settled before then um, as much as possible so I can like focus on boosting theirs. So it's kind yeah. of, yeah. I think that makes sense though. And I think that also speaks to who you are in this space because obviously you want yourself to succeed. Like everybody wants their stuff to succeed. I, like I said, I love TTRPG Kids. I think it's a great resource, like phenomenal. Even just to flip through and find new games because I think at the heart of it, it's just family-friendly games. You don't necessarily need to be playing them with a five-year-old who's your nephew or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot There's of really cool stuff that you're doing with it. But you're also taking that time to help other people get their stuff bumped up in this crowdfunder campaign. Like it's, it's a lot of work, and I feel like a lot of people won't get to see that part of it. Ideally, they won't get to see that part of it because that part's stressful and scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a bit of work. So um, I am very much looking forward to it. But also, like you said, it is some work and some stress. So I'm kind of like nervously going into it like, oh, I hope it goes okay. Um, that's always kind of like sitting there in the back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So obviously, TTRPG Kids isn't your full-time job. And typically a lot of these things are hobby in that, but where do you hope TTRPG Kids goes or what do you hope to see succeed outside of just having this really cool thing with you and your family and the growth of the journey of games? Yeah. Uh, so I am hoping that this is something that I can do as maybe more than just kind of a side project at some point. Um, I... Uh, because of all the chaos during COVID, did end up quitting my engineering job. Um, I was a crash test engineer, and it was a little too difficult to do that at home, like reviewing crash tests remotely, and then also having a two-year-old who decided he wasn't going to nap anymore um, at home because there's no daycare. So um, that kind of shook things up. So now I'm teaching, and I have a little bit more flexibility with that, with the schedule and everything. And I'm hoping to kind of have TTRPG kids and 
teaching kind of balance each other um, and be sort of like equal parts in my life, like career wise, um, that would be really nice. (laughs) So um, I want to see TTRPG kids continue to grow, um, continue to support other creators because I think having a space specifically devoted to uh, TTRPGs for kids in all ages is really important since like a lot of people are interested in it. Um, and so I want to see that grow and reach more people. Um, and then for kind of like my own games, I'd like to, you know, print a few more of them when I go to conventions, maybe do a convention booth. Cause they get kind of like that dual, um, action of, you know, I can get some of my games out there, which is always like, that's a good feeling. And then, you know, can be like, Hey, there's also the free resource, um, where you can find like, all the stuff. So even if people can't like buy the games and stuff, there's still something there to help out. I love that. Yeah, I I kind of hope the same too. I think it's important work, and I think that it's it's currently a really untapped field. You're starting to see more people lean their games towards kids, and not even from just a marketing standpoint, but from a hey, kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And they're a heck of a lot of fun to play games with. Yeah, there's uh, just from, so like when I started doing the interactive story time with my kid, I started out with like, hey, what do you think the bunny does? And um, like really simple stuff. He really quickly showed me that he could do a lot more than just say like the bunny goes down the hole. Um, And then as we've been playing games, he continually surprises me. Like with the throwing the scroll into the volcano, like, that was pretty creative. Um, it was a little destructive, but it was also, like, really yeah. creative. So, um, I, yeah. They do, they do cool stuff. situation happening with an adult group, though. Yeah. <laughs> I can see, like, the chaotic dumb, dumb kind of mm-hmm. coming through, like, but, like, as a kid, that's just, you're like, that'll be cool. That's just fun. And then your players are just like, we're going to see what happens. Yes. And they know what happens. They're they're right. they're grown ups. They know what happens next. Yeah, yeah. The kids still kind of figuring it out, maybe. But like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steph, where can people support you if they want to give some extra outside of the crowdfunder? Is there any places where they can do that? Yeah, um, I've got a Kofi account. So um, the Kofi's open, and anything that. Um, goes towards the Kofi. I'm also kind of putting it towards the crowdfunder stuff, so I'll reduce the crowdfunder goal as like the Kofi stuff comes in, um, and then that'll be also running afterwards. Um, I also have my own games to sell, both on Kofi and Itch, so you can find uh, TTRPG Kids games there. Everywhere, it's just search TTRPG Kids as one word, and I'll I'll come up. So, uh, but other than that, the biggest way to like really support is to help share TTRPG kids. Um, if you see somebody asking for resources, please point them there because my hope is that it, it'll answer everybody's questions um, kind of in one spot. Uh, word of mouth on social media, just if uh, more people are finding it, then I'm happy. So <laughs> we, we got a saying at the end of most episodes that word of mouth is how we grow around here. And that's just kind of true for anybody working in the indie space. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, we want people to, like, use our work and, like, find it useful and enjoy it. So, you know, that's that's a big thing. And word yeah, of mouth, like, kind of helps that happen organically. Yeah. I can't stress enough that this is a resource not just for parents or not just for you engaging with kids. This is a really cool way for you to check out some new games or introduce an, another generation to games. It's 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 great. It's really cool stuff. Steph, we're kind of reaching our end point, though. What listeners don't know about this episode, if it's a little shorter than normal or if it's a little bit wonky, is and I've had a nightmare of a time trying to get my get my tech to work. <laughs> so, did I just glitch out on you, Steph? I'm going to be honest. A little it's, bit. Oh, my goodness. Hopefully it's fine. I'll redub it if it's not. <laughs> but I got two questions that I think are super important to ask you. So, the first one being, what advice can you give to people who are wanting to start their own? maybe game or project, but they're not really sure where to begin. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking to start your own uh, project, um, I'll kind of tweak it a little bit towards the kids angle. Um, think about specifically what um, age or skill you're targeting. Um, I have, I actually have a guide. Um, it's free. And it's intended to be for creators as well, called Making a Tabletop RPG for Your Particular Kid. And it kind of walks through, um, you know, look at who you're making it for, what they're going to be comfortable with, cause, uh, and, like, what genre they're going to be interested in. Because, like, my kid, um, he's okay with playing games about wizards and dragons and things like that. But if we do one about Hilda... Um, or kind of themed after that sort of vein, or about Spider-Man. Um, he's way more into it. So kind of looking at that topic that you want to focus on um, is really important. And then after that, then you look at the mechanics for uh, what you want to introduce to it. Um, if you're looking at kind of a different type of project, like how I've got the blog or something, making sure that you've got your information organized and like a, a plan that is sustainable is really important, um, especially if it's going to be something kind of long-term because when you're signing up for like a blog, that's like week, a weekly schedule of I'm releasing, you know, post, 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 and making sure that it's something that you can keep up with and kind of manage your time with is really important. So kind of that initial planning um, for games, Look at the skills that you want to focus on and kind of build up from there um, with the genre and everything. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that kind of answers. I think it does. I That stuff can apply, too, when you're not even looking at working with kids, though. Like, looking at what you're wanting to achieve or what you're, I mean, the best thing I can think of is if you're starting to make a game with like your friends in mind. Like, oh, what, what do we actually want to be playing? Yeah.
Exactly. Yeah. And you're going to know that stuff as you're starting to sit down at the table and figuring out it's, I mean, it's like when I made that horrible little goblin game that I made. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I'm proud of that, but it's not very good. <laughs> Steph, though, where can people find out more about yourself and TTRPG Kids and the crowdfunder? Of course, the crowdfunder. Yeah. Um, so if you go to the TTRPGKids.com website, um, it's got everything on there. Uh, that's kind of like the, the hub. Um, so it's TTRPGKids, K-I-D-S. Um, everything's one word. You just stick a dot .com at the end, and then I'll take you there. Um, from there, I have all my social links are on there. We've got an about page, and I have a special link on the homepage that takes you to more info on the Kickstarter or uh, on the crowdfunder. Got to get Kickstarter out of the vocabulary. It's like the generic. It's you know <laughs> crowdfunder campaign. So <laughs> yeah, I get you. As always, folks, those links are going to be going down in the description below. Go check out TTRPG Kids and go support Steph and the Crowdfunder. It's so cool. Steph, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. It was it was great, even amidst all these wonderful little tech glitches. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And um, I, I appreciate you working through the technical glitches, too. Like, I, I know how technology goes. It's, it's all good. I think you're the first guest who's, who's almost seen me cry. <laughs> I was very frustrated. You're fine. You're fine. It's all good. It's all good. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Steph and TTRPG Kids have already launched their crowdfunder right now, so please go and support them using that top link in the description below. Until next time, though, take care of yourselves, and I hope to see you somewhere out there. Bye. Thank you so much to Steph for joining me on the podcast this week. I really wish things had gone smoother because TTRPG Kids is such a good project, and the website's really great, and it deserves all of your support. Really, it's amazing, especially if you're working with kids. Please go and check out the crowdfunder and give Steph some support and some love because they really do deserve it. And thank you so much for sticking around, audience. I know that there were some massive audio issues on my side, but hopefully future episodes will be cleaner and my recording software will be working properly. If you like this show and you want to hear more from me, please consider leaving a review somewhere on the internet or telling a friend, because just like Steph said, telling someone helps immensely. Hey, we're super close to episode 100, four episodes away actually, so... If you have any ideas and you want me to do something special, please let me know, ideally through an email or on Twitter. That's everything for me, though. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you real soon.